Welcome to the Red Light Report, your number one source for all things red light therapy, where you will learn how to optimize your health, wellness, and longevity with the power of photobiomodulation. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Belkowski. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Here we are on the Red Light Report, another solo sode coming your way, which means more new updated information from that fourth edition of the Red Light Therapy Treatment Protocols ebook. Before we get going, though, if you can't tell by my voice, I have gotten older, not just since the last podcast or solo sode by a week, but I turned 33 yesterday at the time of this recording. Another year in the books, hopefully another year wiser. Spent some good time doing some trail running in the woods in the morning, spent some fantastic time with my family, great dinner, fun and games, and all the good stuff. It's always a good moment in time on your birthday just to reflect on the previous year, all the ups and downs, the excitement, the adventures, the trials and tribulations, and everything that you've gone through the past year. Because I don't know if you guys are like me, I'm always on the go, 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 and I, I do try to take time even every day just to think and be still which is not easy for me personally. But again, on your birthday, it's I think it's especially important to reflect on everything that you've gone through and experienced and how you've grown as a person in the past year. So New Year's is good for that as well. But I think especially your birthday, that's a good moment in time. So my year of 32 was a really good one. Lots of growth. I learned in so many different ways. And going into my year of being 33, which is my 34th year, I don't know if people understand that, because when you're born, that's year zero, and then you turn one. I turned 33, so this is my 34th year of life. I'm excited for what's coming this year. Lots of good things going to happen on the business level, of course, but then personally as well, I have a lot of goals for how I want to grow and continue to learn and evolve as a person. So cheers to another year and being 33. But I digress. I guess my last announcement, I think on my last solo episode, I briefly touched on a new product that we're going to launch very soon. We're going to delay it by a week or so, maybe 10 days. It's the product we're going to release on Kickstarter. I'll just tell you right now, it is pet specific. Last week and the previous solo soda, I kind of gave you the wink wink that it may be pet specific, but now I'm just going to spill the beans. I got the can opener, the can is open, and the beans have been spilled. It's going to be a pet specific product or a line of products, if you will, because there'll be various sizes to accommodate the different sizes of animals and pets. So there'll be a small one, there'll be a large one, and you'll have much more information on the ins and outs and in-betweens of that product when it's officially launched on Kickstarter. By backing the campaign or backing the project on Kickstarter, you will have access to purchasing that product, whichever size or both sizes, what have you, for 20 to 25% off what will eventually be the retail price once we officially launch it live on the BioLite website. So again, it's a way for you to get it at a significant discount, get in early, be one of the first to get the product for your animal or pet. And also you'll see when you see the product that it's an extremely versatile product. Of course, it's made or it's engineered and it's tailored for pets, but you can certainly use it on yourself You can wrap it around your body, you can wrap it around your joints, you can use it for your lower back, all that good stuff. So it's going to be a very versatile product, but yes, it is pet specific. 
Per usual, you will get the nitty-gritty details through our BioLite social media platforms, my personal platforms, whether it's LinkedIn, Instagram. And of course, if you're on the BioLite email list, you will get the updated breaking news information, so to speak, through those channels. So email and social media. Plan on hearing some of that breaking news within the next week or so. Definitely within the week that this Solo Soda is launched. So really excited to get that product at least uh, out there for people to look at and learn about. And then, of course, get it into your hands in the coming months here. And with that being said, if you guys are looking or interested in getting some BioLite products or, or red light therapy products, keep in mind we will be having a Labor Day sale. I'm not going to give any numbers or official announcement here, but just know, just, just like I announced for that Kickstarter campaign we're going to launch, you'll get all the relevant information for our Labor Day sale through social media and through email shortly after the solo sode goes live within the same or next day. So keep your eyes peeled if you're interested in some sweet discounts for some of your favorite BioLite products. So that's exciting. Without further ado, let's clamor on back into, I should say, the fourth edition of the ebook. So last week, we covered two big topics, eye health and gut health. So we're going to keep on keeping on and begin this solo sode with hair health. And there's a, some decent updated information, quite a bit new research as well. So let's dig in. This is another popular topic, maybe not as popular or as frequently asked about compared to skin or, or gut or mental health. But surely it's way up there, both for females and males, whether it's thinning hair male or female pattern baldness, or what have you. Everyone wants healthier, more voluminous hair. At least I would think so. But regardless, in the ebook here, just a quick review of the different phases of hair growth, just so we're on the same page here. So to better understand how red light therapy can help prevent hair loss and promote hair regrowth, it helps to understand the three main phases of hair growth. The first phase is called anagen antigen and this is the growth phase so you want your hair follicles or your hair to be in this antigen phase because that's the healthy growth phase the second phase is the catagen phase and this is the transition of hair upwards towards the skin pore and then the last phase is telogen telogen or telogen phase and this is where the blood supply to the hair follicle fully separates and growth ends. And so this is a natural cycle. These three phases, of course, you're going to spend most of them, hopefully, in the antigen and catagen phase. So you have that growth phase where the hair is being nurtured, whether it's below the skin, and then it finally breaks through as a hair follicle and, and becomes that hair and or where it's that hair follicle and it's just receiving the nutrition and that blood supply to keep it healthy and to keep it growing. And of course, telogen phase, just like it's natural for your cells to die and go through autophagy so you get some cleanup work and then those get recycled and replenished and built into new cells. And so telogen is not a bad thing. It's just part of the natural process. But when your antigen and catagen, but especially your antigen phase, when that growth phase is shortened or doesn't get that full potential, and then you get that telogen phase earlier than normal, 
that's where you begin to see unhealthy hair or hair thinning, or that's where the balding or your lack of hair growth can become more obvious or prevalent. And I don't know if like you guys, but during the summer months, especially me being more north and our winters and falls and springs can be darker and, and less sunny. In the summertime, when I'm outside, my hair seems to grow quicker. And I think that's just another shout out to light, specifically sunlight, but how it helps and helps nurture hair growth and hair health by getting outside and just simply being in the sun, which makes sense because you have these red light therapy products that are specific to hair health. And what do you do when you're just exposing your scalp to red and near infrared light? If you live in a sunny atmosphere, if you're more in the southern states or just closer to the equator in general, I think if you're outside consistently, your hair health should be pretty darn solid compared to your counterparts who spend a preponderance of their days inside their house or inside the office, or I guess another way to say it is just not being outside enough exposed to sun. So that's just something to keep in mind is the more you can get outside, of course, there's a lot of benefits with light getting into your eye and the cascade of events from that. But then of course, skin health, of course, you don't want excessive UV light exposure, but you do want sun exposure on a consistent basis. And then likewise, your hair, it's going to benefit from being outside and exposed to sunlight on a consistent basis. So just some food for thought there. Moving along with hair health here in the ebook, we know that hair follicle atrophy caused by aging is a common type of hair loss. And so that's kind of a generalized statement there because we're saying that the atrophy of your hair follicle caused by aging, well, what is aging? I mean, that, again, that's open for interpretation. But this statement, which is from research, is basically saying that as you get older, <laughs> I mean, you're going to have less healthy hair, so to speak. And a lot of that comes down to circulation because the less circulation you have to your follicles, the less well they will grow your hair, hair follicles. And thus, you're going to have less healthy hair, less ability or capacity to grow and have healthy hair. And then again, we get into this antigen versus telogen phase, kind of like with bacteria in your gut. You get that formicutes to bacteroidetes ratio. And then we can look at this for hair health, the antigen to telogen ratio. You want your hair to be more so in the antigen phase for a longer period of time versus telogen as far as hair health goes and keeping your volume. And by volume, I don't just mean on your head, whether it's like a small amount or a large amount, like a, like a short haircut or a, a large haircut. I'm talking about literally the circumference of your hair follicle. So that's what hair health is by and large. It's not just how many hair follicles do you have. It's also how large is that hair follicle from a circumference perspective. And that's what we're talking about here with hair health. You can literally increase not just the growth phase, but the size of the hair follicle too. So another way to say that is you're combating hair thinning because that's another sign of poor hair health is when your hair follicles get thinner. But moving on here, recent research has demonstrated that external light, i.e. red light, regulates hair follicle stem cell activity by stimulating the eye and thus exerting a significant hair regenerative capacity via intrinsically photosensitive retinal ganglion cells, suprachiasmatic nucleus, and sympathetic neural pathway. So another way to say that is that red light seems to stimulate the hair follicle stem cells, which leads to a lot of good things. And the proliferation 
of hair follicle stem cells is a prerequisite for the initial antigen phase of hair follicles. So under numerous biological or pathological conditions, inadequate activation and or inhibition of hair follicle stem cells leads to hair loss. So again, a quick review, external light regulates these hair follicle stem cells, and it's these hair follicle stem cells that are a prerequisite for that antigen growth phase of hair follicles. And so moving along here, recent research has indicated that red light therapy drives hair follicle stem cell activation by inhibiting beta-catenin degradation. And beta-catenin is a signaling molecule and essential for fate decisions of hair stem cells. This beta-catenin degradation equals hair loss. So again, by increasing your hair follicle stem cell activation, you inhibit beta-catenin degradation. So you're inhibiting hair loss through that process. And so as a quick reminder, hair follicle atrophy caused by aging is a common type of hair loss. Ultimately, the activation of hair follicle stem cells is an effective means to alleviate aging-induced hair loss. So as we age, this beta-catenin degradation becomes more and more of an issue or becomes more prevalent, whereas you can combat that with red light therapy to drive that hair follicle stem cell activation to inhibit that beta-catenin. So kind of a series of events there that you can mitigate or prevent just through utilizing red light therapy and thus reducing and preventing aging-induced hair loss. So pretty cool to know that. Moving along to the research for hair health, this first piece of research is from 2021. It says, in this study, we found that photobiomodulation therapy drove the activation of hair follicle stem cells and alleviated hair follicle atrophy caused by aging, just like we talked about. This next piece of research, hot off the press from 2022, they say that photobiomodulation provides a stimulus for hair density in five weeks. This study showed that the photobiomodulation is effective and promoted safe results with a reduced number of sessions for the androgenetic alopecia treatment. Moving along to the third piece of research here, uh, this one, uh, this one's also from 2021. It says that collectively, our work suggests that photobiomodulation therapy promotes hair regeneration through synergetic activation of beta-catenin in hair follicle stem cells. So again, we're kind of building upon the last couple of paragraphs I was reading in this section about the interplay between light, or lack thereof, and its role on stimulating hair follicle stem cells, which then inhibit beta-catenin. And by inhibiting beta-catenin, you can prevent or mitigate, however you want to put it, age-related hair loss. So cool just to see the research is starting to show a lot of promise here with red light therapy and hair health. But the last piece of research here, this one's from 2021 as well. In our study, the results showed statistically significant increase in total hair count from baseline to post-treatment at week 16. So four months. In conclusion, 
photobiomodulation of the scalp with red light improved hair counts in female pattern hair loss significantly. It's been long overdue, but hopefully well worth the wait. That's right. The fourth edition of the Red Light Therapy Treatment Protocols ebook has finally been released. It's up, it's live, it's on the BioLite website. And for those that aren't super familiar, the Red Light Therapy Treatment Protocols ebook, it was designed by me specifically to help you enhance your experience and results with red light therapy by giving you specific treatment protocols that are based on the research so you can pick specific protocols based on your health and wellness goals. The previous edition, the third edition, was around 90-95 pages. This fourth edition is over 160 pages. There's been a ton of information, research, and protocols added. For example, I've added entire sections on cancer, gut health, stem cells. A vast majority of the sections were updated with research. For example, there's several in anxiety, depression, bone and joint, brain health, eye health, gut health, nerve injury, and there's a couple in sleep. And I've added an entire woman's health cycle optimization protocol that Kayla Osterhoff recommended I put together. So I did. So the PDF ebook is available on the BioLite website right now, and there will be a Kindle version very soon. And if you're listening to this sometime in early August, it's probably already released by now. But for you guys, for my loyal Red Light Report listeners, I'm giving you guys a 15% discount on the ebook or the lifetime subscription if you don't have that already. Coupon code ebook4, the number four, at checkout to get your 15% off. Again, that's ebook four at checkout, the number four. 15% off the ebook, 15% off the lifetime subscription. I hope you guys find this new version even more informational, educational, applicable, and leads to more effective results for your red light therapy treatments. So I genuinely hope you enjoy this fourth edition of the ebook. And that's something I would tell you all based on the research, just like chronic pain, things like healing the bone or, or joints, those are going to take longer to see legitimate or statistically significant benefits or results via red light therapy. Compare that to eye health or compare that to skin health, things that are superficial tissues. You're going to see results within the first week or two for sure. But again, things like chronic pain, joint health, and also hair health, those will take longer for you to see those results or benefits you're looking for. It's not going to happen in a week or two. It's going to take a handful of months. So just like this research is pointing out, they said a week 16 is where they saw the statistically significant increase in hair count. So that is all of the research I have regarding hair health. All the updated research, obviously from 2021, 2022, and hopefully we'll get more and more research just further demonstrating the efficacy of, of red light and its impact on hair health. But I think even what we have available right now and what I just presented is pretty strong and robust and red light therapy is something I certainly use on a consistent basis or, or red light specifically for my scalp and for my hair. Again, just as a prophylactic, proactive measure for my own hair health. So that's something I would recommend to my friends and family if they're interested in, in improving their hair health. But with that being said, let's move on to the next topic. It is heart health, something that's near and dear to my heart. Yes, indeed. There's a decent amount of new information and a pretty solid chunk of new research. And I'll begin this section by just alerting everyone that I don't have a protocol for heart health yet. Again, with, with all the research and all the information out there, it's covering a myriad of different heart health conditions. 
everyone's using a different type of dosimetry, meaning different wavelengths of light, different intensity of light, getting various results. So it's still at the point, even with this added information and research, I'm not able to develop specific protocols yet. I'm hoping by the next edition, that's something I'll be able to do. But again, at this point, still not able to do that. But regardless, just because I don't have a protocol here doesn't mean you can use your red light therapy devices for your own heart health. By no means is that what I'm saying. I'm just saying I can't give everyone a specific protocol because again, when I produce a protocol, it's strictly based on strong, robust research. Just keep that in mind. And just like any organ, you have to use near infrared light. Red light is not going to make it through your skin and subcutaneous fat and bone that you have to cross in order to get through to the heart or other organs. So just keep in mind, you have to use near infrared light if you are interested in augmenting your heart health with red light therapy. We'll jump straight into the first subsection, which is about myocardial infarctions. Application of red light therapy in myocardial infarctions does the following. Red light therapy improves myocardial structure, so that heart muscle structure. It reduces mitochondrial damage, and we all know, regardless of the condition, that's a great thing. So it reduces mitochondrial damage. Also, red light therapy regulates expression of inflammatory factors. Again, just like it does with all conditions or just in general, red light therapy is anti-inflammatory and with the heart, that's no different. And lastly, red light therapy promotes angiogenesis. So it promotes new vascularization or new pathways for blood flow, which for heart health, that's a great thing. So again, it improves the muscle, reduces mitochondrial damage, reduces inflammation, and promotes circulation in a way. Also, several studies have shown that red light has the ability to promote the proliferation of both neural stem cells and skeletal muscle satellite cells. And again, this is regarding the heart. Another study showed that red light therapy kept glucose in balance, implying that LED red light therapy may affect glucose metabolism in heart failure mice. More importantly, a growing body of experimental evidence suggests that the application of red light therapy combined with conventional cardiac interventions is more efficient when it comes to repairing and improving myocardial infarction-related disease. So red light therapy is on the come up for sure as it relates to heart health and some heart-related diseases. Also, red light therapy can repair myocardial infarction injury by improving cardiac function, reducing the size of myocardial fibrosis, promoting vascular regeneration of the injured myocardial area, and regulating inflammatory factors and certain protective factors. Compared with other treatment options for myocardial infarction, red light therapy has the advantages of non-invasive, non-pharmacological, non-hereditary, and low difficulty in applying technology and has excellent potential in cardiac therapy. And I think that last line especially is the big take-home message from the research that I'm citing here in this section is that, of course, like I say, with all treatments for red light therapy, I love that it's non-invasive, non-pharmacological, easy to use, very safe. But this last part here is has excellent potential in cardiac therapy. That's exciting to hear that researchers, therapists are starting to recognize 
the potential therapeutic benefits of red light therapy as it relates to improving heart health and thus cardiac therapy. That's huge. So let's dig into the research. There's a lot of new research since the previous edition. I'm looking here, one, two, three, four. There's five new pieces of research here. So let's jump into the first one. This one's from July of last year, 2021. And this is regarding myocardial infarction. It goes on to say that photobiomodulation could reduce mitochondrial damage by 60%, including mitochondrial swelling and mitochondrial spinal injury. This is consistent with the observation of increased ATP production in the ischemic myocardium, demonstrating that photobiomodulation can inhibit the rapid decline of ATP and reverse the results of insufficient myocardial energy. So that's huge. I mean, they're putting a percentage on it. They found that red light therapy reduces mitochondrial damage by 60%. And that alone should tell you that's going to be a massive uptick in ATP production and thus energy and thus healing capacity. So that's a huge piece of research right there. This next one is from April of 2022. So this one's relatively hot off the press. They go on to say that in this study, we found that 630 nanometer LED as a low power photobiomodulation therapy can promote post-infarction myocardial proliferation and revascularization, but without significant modulation of fibroblasts. This finding indicates that LED red exhibits the promising application in heart regeneration after myocardial infarction. And so this kind of comes in the face of me just saying that you need to use near-infrared when treating the heart. So they use 630 nanometers, which is red light. And so I don't know if they were using red light during open-heart surgery or some type of surgery like that where they had easier access to the heart. Because again, certainly if you're using just red light on the outside of your chest, that's not going to make it all the way through. So when they used LED, they didn't use a laser. I'm kind of curious about that one, and I'm not able to read that piece of research because it's so new, I can only read the abstract. So I'm hoping once I have access to that article, I can get a little bit more information as to how they use that red light and why they didn't use near-infrared. But regardless, still some great information on how red light therapy can be quite beneficial post-heart attack. This one's also from April of 2022, a different piece of research. They go on to say that the results suggest photobiomodulation therapy through the modulation of gene transcription and mRNA expressions can interfere in cardiac fibrosis activation after myocardial infarction, mainly by reversing the signaling pathway of pro-fibrotic genes. And of course, the one thing you don't want in your heart is fibrotic tissue or fibrosis because that stiffens things up and you want your heart to be nice and elastic and be able to recoil and pump blood. Whereas if your heart has fibrotic tissue, it's going to lose that elasticity, that ability to pump blood efficiently. You're going to have issues with circulation and, and blood pressure and all that stuff if you have a fibrotic tissue or fibrotic heart. But that's one of the side effects of a heart disease is having, again, a stiffer, more fibrotic heart. So, pretty cool piece of research showing that red light therapy can help mitigate that fibrosis activation. This next piece of research here is from July of 2021. 
It goes on to say that photobiomodulation can not only directly exert the positive effects of myocardial infarction injury treatment on myocardial repair, ATP synthesis, and regulation of inflammatory factors, but also facilitates myocardial protection. So that was a long-winded way of saying it does a lot of good things and then some. So again, helps with myocardial repair, ATP synthesis, and energy production like we know, helps modulate inflammatory factors, but is also myocardial protective. A lot of good things can happen. And that makes sense, again, because the heart is one of the most mitochondrial dense tissues in the body because it requires some of the most energy to function. It makes sense that the heart should be able to respond positively to red light therapy because as we all know here, Red light therapy stimulates the mitochondria, and when you do that, a lot of good things happen. So it makes sense that red light therapy should be quite beneficial for the heart, which is why it's quite frustrating from my standpoint that I can't provide you guys with a specific treatment protocol yet, even though I'm reporting all of this research. There's just not enough concrete research for specific conditions for me to provide you guys with protocols. But regardless, just know that just even in theory, knowing that the heart's mitochondrial dense, if you're utilizing red light therapy specifically near infrared, is my opinion, you should see some benefits. Whether you just want to do it from a preventative prophylactic measure or you're trying to ameliorate or kind of mitigate some heart issues that you may be having, I think red light therapy has its place there to, to help out with those types of conditions. But moving on to this last piece of research, this one's from 2021 as well. They go on to say that low-power infrared, specifically near-infrared laser irradiation, increased the telomere length in cardiac tissue of animals affected by lipopolysaccharide-induced acute lung injury, which suggests that telomere maintenance is a part of the photobiomodulation effect induced by infrared radiation. So this one's a little, actually quite a bit different than the other research I just cited about heart health. And they're going on to say that you can actually affect the telomere length of your heart. And we haven't really talked a lot about telomere and its impact on health and longevity, but essentially telomeres and their length are prognostic or an indicator of your health and your potential longevity. So the shorter your telomere get, the closer you are to your inevitable demise, let's put it that way. And the longer your telomeres are, the longer your health span and lifespan should be. So when we look at it here, they're showing that near-infrared light increased the telomere length in your heart tissue, showing that it's improving the health and longevity of your heart tissue. So that's a really different piece of research, but with a very positive and profound result. I'm really hoping that there's more and more research that comes out in different areas of health as it relates to red light therapy and telomere length. Because if there's more of this research that comes out indicating that you can improve your telomere length, that's massive, purely from a longevity standpoint, and of course, overall health. But it's really cool to see that they're showing that in cardiac tissue regardless. That is the end of the heart health section and heart health research. If we look at the next section in the ebook, it's herpes, where there's herpes zoster virus, there's herpes simplex virus. 
But uh, believe it or not, there's no new information and no new research to report on. So I'm going to keep scrolling along here to the next section here, which is immune system. And, And we'll finish today with this topic, immune system. So there's a decent amount of new information and a solid amount of new research as well. So I'm excited. I really updated this section in the ebook and website. I didn't like the information that was there before because quite frankly, it didn't really speak directly towards immune system. There's a lot of information about the stem cells and the way stem cells can affect your immunity, but I actually moved that information into a brand new section about stem cells. And so I've kind of revamped this immune system section and research. So I'm excited to report on it now. So let's move along. It says that in experimental models, the degree and type of immune responses to red light therapy are influenced by the anatomic surface where treatment is applied. For example, immunomodulatory effects appear to be more effective when applied on the thymus area compared to the limbs with a favorable rise in interleukin-2 or IL-2, nitric oxide, and heat shock protein production. So just a quick recap for everyone not sure where the thymus is, it's essentially right in between the upper third of your lung lobes. So basically right below or beneath your sternum, right below where your clavicles meet. So if you can kind of feel your collarbones and where they meet right in the middle, and then you go two to three inches below that, right on your sternum, your thymus is kind of right below that, right in between your lungs there. That organ is especially important for our immunity and our immune system health. Immunomodulatory effects appear to be more effective when applied on the thymus area compared to the limbs. So, of course, attacking that organ with red and near-infrared light versus your arms is what they're saying. So, I don't know if they're saying that to make a point or if they're speaking about irradiating the lymph glands or the lymph nodes. But regardless, they're showing that the thymus area is most beneficial. Treatment dose, cumulative dose, and duration of exposure also appear to play a role where excessive treatment duration may even cause attenuation and reversal of treatment efficacy towards immunosuppression. So they're just pointing out a handful of variables we want to take into consideration to get an optimal treatment. They're saying the treatment dose itself. So yeah, how many joules of light is correct? A cumulative dose. So if you do how many doses per week and building upon each other, how many of those? But then Duration of exposure, so how long, how many minutes, again, how many joules are you absorbing plays a role in your immune or your thymus response to boosting immunity via red light therapy. And they point out, just like I do with all treatments, they say that excessive treatment duration may even cause attenuation or reversal of the effectiveness of your red light therapy and can even head towards immunosuppression. So you might even get the opposite effect of what you're looking for. You will be trying to boost your immunity, but if you overtreat, you may actually lean towards immunosuppression. So that's something to take into consideration. More is not better, and we really want to lock in that treatment. And I'm looking down here at the uh, protocols. I do have one for general immune boosting. I have one for acute respiratory distress syndrome. So there's a couple of there for you guys to utilize when looking to boost your immunity. And again, based on the research. But let's move along with the information here. One of the central effects of red light therapy on the immune response is via the modulation of neutrophil function 
by balancing neutrophil numbers, improving neutrophil efficiency, and modulating the neutrophil extracellular trap formation. It is well documented that various immune response processes are highly dependent on cellular energy, i.e. ATP from the mitochondria, the latter being depressed in sepsis and septic showcases. The mitochondria probably act as photoacceptors for red light therapy and robustly reactivate cellular energy synthesis to reestablish ATP levels in a variety of cells, including lymphocytes and macrophages, and through several pathways that trigger activation of nucleic acid synthesis and cellular proliferation. Several experimental studies in humans and animals have demonstrated that red light therapy potentially moderates lung inflammation, fibrosis, pneumonia, and acute respiratory disorders. Red light therapy increases microcirculation, lymphatic drainage, cellular metabolism, healing promotion, and tissue regeneration, thereby alleviating many acute and chronic conditions. Therefore, red light therapy has the possibility of suppressing ARDS, or again, acute respiratory distress syndrome. Considering the pathophysiology of COVID-19 and potential positive effects of red light therapy in balancing the function of the immune system, this treatment modality, red light therapy, could be effective in severe COVID-19 cases with ARDS. COVID-19 mortality is mainly because of cytokine storm in severe cases. Photobiomodulation has the potential to decrease the level of pro-inflammatory cytokines such as IL-1 beta, IL-6, IL-8, tumor necrosis factor, and so on, and improve the balance of interleukin-10 or IL-10. These effects can balance immune response and decrease the impact of the cytokine storm. Red light therapy is mainly local and has very limited adverse side effects. Unlike corticosteroids, it does not cause delayed body response to virus elimination, secondary infection, or longer hospitalization period. Research in 2017 showed that red light therapy enhanced cell apoptosis in human immunodeficiency virus infected cells, but had no inhibitory effects on HIV-1 uninfected cells. And evidence supports red light therapy as a natural, non-invasive, and safe method for modulating the immune responses at multiple levels and stimulating tissue healing. Red light therapy can potentially reduce the viral load and bacterial superinfections in patients with COVID-19 infections. And that's coming straight from a lot of the abstracts and information from research. That's just not me touting that. So people deep in the research are stating that red light therapy has a great capacity to potentially reduce, again, viral loads and bacterial superinfections with patients with COVID-19 infections. So that's a huge, huge deal, of course. So let's move along to the research. Again, five pieces of research here, so a lot of new stuff to report on. This first piece of research here is from 2020. It goes on to say that in the short term, photobiomodulation therapy could improve recovery from COVID-19 and reduce the risk of post-infection sequelae. In the longer term, 
photobiomodulation therapy could improve the comorbidities that increase vulnerability to viral infection in these populations. So kind of like we just wrapped up with the section above, a lot of potential therapeutic benefits for those dealing with COVID-19. This next one is a systematic review from 2021. It goes on to say that our findings revealed that the photobiomodulation could be helpful in reducing the lung inflammation and promoting the regeneration of the damaged tissue. Photobiomodulation can increase the oxygenation indirectly in order to rehabilitate the affected organs. Thus, the infrared lasers or light-emitting diodes are recommended in this regard. This next piece here is from 2020 as well. Photobiomodulation may also help to balance the immune system and reduce immune hyperactivity to resist progression to a cytokine storm. And as we know from the section above, COVID-19 leads to this cytokine storm. And so they're saying here that red light therapy can help balance the immune system to mitigate or resist the progression to a cytokine storm and thus staving off severe reactions to COVID-19. This piece of research is from 2022. They go on to say that this systematic review and meta-analysis revealed that photobiomodulation therapy does utilize beneficial anti-inflammatory effect, modulation of the immune system, lung permeability, or bronchoalveolar lavage on lung damage in both animal models and clinical studies. So as we know, red light therapy is an anti-inflammatory treatment, regardless of where you're treating. You're going to help modulate that inflammation and thus promote healing. This last piece of research, uh, this one's harking back to 1997, but even back then, they go on to say that photobiomodulation resulted in lymphocyte proliferation and enhanced lymphocyte ATP synthesis compared to controls. And the 60-day survival rate of the photobiomodulation group was double that of the control group. So again, red light therapy promoting activation of different parts of the immune system. And it looks like they were dealing with sepsis. So when they're saying survival rate, this is dealing with sepsis. And so the 60-day survival rate was twice that for those that used red light therapy compared to the control group. So even back in 1997, I mean, that's some pretty robust research to be reporting on, or I guess they're purporting their results there, that red light therapy, I mean, the survival rate is twice that to those that aren't using red and near infrared light. So pretty powerful information. But again, the protocols in the ebook include just general immune boosting and then acute respiratory distress syndrome. So a lot of good stuff there, guys. And so we're going to wrap it up with those sections today. Again, we went over hair health, heart health, and then we wrapped it up with immune system or immunity, boosting that immune system. We'll pick up in the next solo sode with inflammation and move forward from there. But as always, guys, I appreciate every single one of you that have listened this far and have been absorbing the information in this solo sode and others. I hope you found these sections to be quite beneficial and useful and I hope applicable to many of you. Golly, I mean, who doesn't know someone or themselves that could benefit from improved hair health? heart health, and a more robust and resilient immune system. So a lot of great stuff in this solo episode. So thanks for listening. And as always, if you have a quick 15 to 20 seconds, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify for the Red Light Report and just continue to help uh, support this podcast and help 
more people be able to find this podcast so they can learn all of the wonderful information about red light therapy and how it can impact their health. But regardless, guys, we're kind of getting towards the tail end of summer here. Go outside, enjoy that sun, and live it up. And as always, light up your health. I'll see you on the next episode and the next solo sode. You guys have a wonderful week. Thank you for listening to the Red Light Report. If you like what you heard today, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes and other podcast platforms to help spread the word so other people can learn about the many health, wellness, and longevity benefits of red light therapy. If you're looking for more educational content, check out our Instagram page at biolight.shop and our YouTube channel, Biolight. I'm Dr. Mike Belkowski, and I'll see you on the next episode.